an electric vehicle you hardly ever have to charge. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations such as Aptera, the first electric solar vehicle that requires no charging for most daily use. We're joined by Nathan Armstrong, Aptera's Chief Technology Officer. Nathan, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Robert. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, I encourage all of our listeners, if they're close to computers, to go on the website and type in aptera.us to take a look at your solar-powered uh, vehicle cars. Nathan, could you paint a picture for our listeners and describe what your EV looks like? It looks like nothing else on the road. Um, it essentially looks like uh, a shark, uh, which was the inspiration for the shape. Um, but we're going for the most aerodynamic form inspired by nature. Uh, we can possibly achieve. To me, it looked a little bit like a teardrop. Uh, uh, I, I didn't see the shark resemblance, but I could see how it was very aerodynamic. Can you tell us, how do you operate that? And it being a three-wheeler, does it drive any differently? It feels exactly like a normal car. It's, um, yeah, it doesn't feel any, any different than a regular vehicle going around corners. It feels great. Um, it's it's an odd sensation inside because of the curvature of the vehicle. Like you say, it's very aerodynamic. So the inside of the car is a lot more uh, round than a regular car. So it's more like sitting in an aircraft uh, than a car. But it's uh, it feels very organic uh, with the uh, with the nice curves of the body that we have. How many passengers can it hold? Uh, two passengers, but we have a very large luggage capacity. Um, you can actually lie down uh, in the back and sleep if you wanted to. So. Well, that's pretty remarkable. Um, what kind of uh, uh, mileage can you get per charge? We're still testing that. Uh, obviously, uh, what, we're, uh, what we're trying to achieve is the ultimate range uh, possible with a two-passenger vehicle. Um, so the numbers we're getting, uh, the power consumption per mile, uh, the orders of magnitude lower than other vehicles on the road. Um, I don't have exact numbers at the minute. Uh, we, we are doing a 300 range, uh, 500 range, and 1,000 mile range uh, battery pack options. So. Well, what makes yours unique is that most EVs have to plug in to recharge, but uh, yours actually uh, allows it to charge uh, running off of solar power. Um, so walk us through how that works. Um, it's really meant as, well, you get about 45 to 50 miles per charge per day uh, in an ideal situation. Um, so that would mean in a sunny climate parked in a way that you get sun for eight, nine hours kind of thing. Um, but the analogy that I like was that it's like getting two gallons of gas in your car for free while you're parked at work. Uh, that to me was a nice, a nice analogy, but you basically, if you drive less than 50 miles a day and you live in a sunny climate, you'll never have to charge your car. So most, uh, solar chargers take a while to produce that much energy. Is your, uh, solar, uh, technology, anything different? No, it's uh, using standard uh, off-the-shelf uh, crystalline cells. It's purely the uh, efficiencies we have in aerodynamics and weight uh, that allow the uh, charge that we do get to do more work than on a regular uh, electric vehicles. Um, we uh, interviewed the gentleman, uh, Bertrand Picard, who flew the uh, first solar airplane around the world. And when we asked him, you know, how do you... Uh, how, how are you able to do that and go, go all the way around at night when there's no sun? And, and that was his comment, was that the first thing they worked on was making that plane so energy efficient. So it sounds like you've, you've uh, borrowed a lot of that uh, uh, same type of uh, a philosophy, is to keep your, uh, your vehicle very energy efficient and have it be very aerodynamic uh, to, to increase your uh, miles per charge, correct? 
That's exactly correct. And then through the uh, clever use of composite materials, um, we are able to achieve a structure uh, which is much safer than a regular vehicle as well. Um, and we've proven this through static testing, crash testing. Um, it's incredibly strong. Uh, so the safety is is uh, paramount for us, obviously. Um, we want our children to feel safe, you know, driving this car kind of thing. So um, we definitely uh, focus on safety. And then the uh, because we're using the composite materials, the lightweight is a result of, of again, how we use the materials and how we build the structures. And um, it's essentially akin to like a motorcycle helmet uh, that you sit inside of. Uh, it's the same kind of construction. And we borrow a lot from aerospace, from, from uh, aircraft, like you say. So uh, definitely a lot of influences from that world. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the specs. Uh, how much does it weigh? Uh, the goal is 1,800 pounds uh, without the passengers. That's and our target. Yeah. Zero to 60, what kind of time? Uh, right now we're sub five seconds, but we're looking to get that even quicker uh, before we roll out the production car. And when do you expect to have this available? Early next year, early 2022 uh, is the goal. Um, and we're on target for that at this point. And what is the price point? Uh, I believe it's somewhere around 26, 29,000 uh, for the entry level. And then it goes up from that kind of thing, but sub 30,000 uh, US dollars is, the, is again the target. Will this qualify for tax credits? I believe it does. Although that's changing all the time. So it's hard to keep track of uh, what's available, but I believe under the current EV regulations, it does. Because these are three wheelers, they're technically not cars. Uh, does that help you at all at, at uh, being able to bring this to market quicker? Um, it, it, it does, but we're not using that to our advantage. Uh, what we are doing is using the auto cycle classification to help us save weight where we can. Uh, but primarily we are aiming uh, to make this as safe as a passenger vehicle. Um, but because we are a auto cycle, we do have some advantages. Right, so we can borrow from uh, uh, other sectors kind of thing, but we, we're definitely the target is to make this as safe as possible. Um, these cars are, are small, they hold two people, they are lightweight, uh, they, they look really cool. Do you see these primarily as commuter cars or do you see these as a, uh, a regular uh, vehicle that people will be using? I think most of our feedback so far has been commuter cars and road trips. Uh, people are very excited to do long distance traveling in these. Um, so those are the two segments that we're seeing a lot of uh, feedback from. Uh, but yeah, I think just a regular commuter car um, fits in a regular parking lot. So, yeah. And on a long trip, how far do you think uh, they'll be able to get on a charge? Well, obviously with a thousand mile one, that's, that's, that's a decent charge. Um, another key aspect of our vehicle too is because it is so efficient when you do plug in to charge, if you plug in for 20 minutes at a regular charger, um, you get a much longer distance from that charge than with a regular EV. Um, so the amount of times you have to stop and the, and, the, and the time you stop is much shorter with our vehicle as well. Did I hear you correctly? You're, you're anticipating being able to get a thousand miles to the charge? Yes. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. How are you able to do that? It's the same size battery pack as a regular EV on the road now. Like there's nothing special about it. It's purely how efficiently we use that energy. Yes, and I guess that lightweight, because most EVs are quite heavy, and you're, you're uh, 1,800 pounds, much lighter than most cars. Yes. Um, so we're from the Midwest, and I understand you're up in Calgary. Uh, so the big thing we all wonder is we get very inclement weather, like you do up there, snow, ice, you know, uh, frozen roads. How will this uh, handle in that kind of condition? 
Um, well, we actually have in-wheel motors, uh, which is very interesting from a traction control perspective. Uh, we've got the weight directly over the, the, the patch of the tire, so we've got really good traction. Um, and obviously, we've got infinite control over the motors um, and how we do stability control and traction control. Um, we have a lot more fidelity than with a regular car. Um, so from that perspective, we're in a great shape. Um, with the wheel skirts and the, the, the enclosed wheels, um, we've got to continue testing on those. But so far, they get packed with snow, uh, just like a regular kind of uh, wheel wash does on a car, but it doesn't seem to impede anything. The snow just falls out. Um, they're designed to be durable and get and take that kind of impact. So um, testing continues, uh, but so far it seems that it's uh, not really an issue. What about heat? How do you keep them warm inside? It's a regular uh, HVAC system uh, from a regular EV supplier. And there's lots of units now, so it's just a regular uh, air conditioning heater system like a regular car. A lot of uh, companies in California uh, uh, find it to be a badge of honor when they start a company and it doesn't work and they have to uh, pivot and start over again. Mm -hmm. You've gone through that. In early 2000, your original company uh, had to fold and then it uh, pivoted and relaunched as a company in more recent years. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and uh, what it took to get you here. Well, I'll tell you this, if we hadn't done what we did 10 years ago, it'd be much harder to do what we're trying to do now. Um, so even though we didn't succeed the first time, it was a good historical precedent to uh, the efforts now. And I think uh, um, in the long run kind of thing, you know, hindsight's 2020, um, I think it all turned out to be the best thing that could have happened. So uh, we're definitely not gonna make the same mistakes again this time. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the time is right for the vehicle. And that was probably too early 10 years ago anyway. And what were some of the critical issues uh, that you've changed and, and that you learned from that, that first lesson? We haven't really changed too much. It's kind of the world has changed. Like electric vehicles are more accepted now, uh, more kind of like interesting designs are a bit more accepted. Um, the amount of orders that we have now compared to when we launched 10 years ago uh, is tenfold now. So uh, obviously the, just the acceptance of this type of vehicle is more, uh, is wider now. Uh, it takes a lot of capital to start a vehicle company. Uh, how are you able to finance your dream? Uh, again, there's some creative capital uh, uh, <clears throat> avenues that we're exploring in the U.S. Uh, with some of these uh, new, uh, like, non-accredited investor funds, uh, where like um, people can invest in private companies. Um, so this is a whole new area uh, in U.S. finance that allows us to raise money in, in non-traditional ways. Uh, so we're exploring some of that. And um, for us, actually, it's not that capitally uh, intensive to start this company compared to a regular car company. Uh, because we are doing composite and we're doing lower volume, uh, there isn't the, uh, uh, the tooling uh, expenditure that you'd see in a regular factory. So it's actually not uh, as expensive as you'd think to start a company like this. What's your biggest challenge in bringing this car to market? Uh, there's a few. Uh, there's a few. There's a few significant challenges we're working through. Um, the solar panels uh, is one, and there's a few others that are kind of like... Uh, uh, pretty hardcore R&D projects uh, that, to make sure we get right and the things are going to last, you know. Um, our goal is that these vehicles last indefinitely um, is, is, our, is our target goal. Um, so everything we do has to be extremely durable, uh, extremely high quality. Um, so the, there's a few uh, things we're working on that, that are challenging, uh, but 95% of the car is a standard vehicle design execution. Um, so uh, apart from the few little things, there's really nothing uh, that's too challenging on this vehicle. Uh, from COVID, uh, a lot of the supply chain has been uh, impacted. Uh, many of the automakers can't build cars because they can't get the microchips. Are you finding any of your supply chain being impacted from COVID? 
It's an interesting question, that one. We're struggling like everybody else. Um, the whole supply chain is kind of just um, has been completely disrupted. And um, it's a little scary. Um, we're definitely turning to more North American suppliers than we were overseas suppliers uh, traditionally. So um, with the increase in shipping cost and just the complexities and, and the difficulties around shipping now, uh, the, the need to kind of stay more local uh, is, is becoming more significant. So. Uh, we're definitely looking at more local suppliers, definitely looking at um, we might have to start making stuff again in North America that we haven't made for 10 years, right? Uh, we might have to start making our own, you know, things that everything's been shipped off overseas. You might have to bring some of that back. So uh, it's looking like, you know, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. Is there, can you share with us, are there any critical or crucial parts that you're having uh, challenges uh, getting? Not at this point, but it's looking six months down the road, things like tires, right? Like things like that, um, you know, it's it's looking a little a little uncertain at this point. Um, so again, we're not looking at massive volumes, around uh, ten to thirty thousand vehicles per year, um, which is pretty low volume compared to some of the big guys, right? So um, we shouldn't be impacted to the same extent, but we definitely are going to see challenges. So, what's your background, and why did you get into the uh, EV business? Uh, my background was uh, aerospace engineering, and then I worked in the concept car industry for close to twenty years. Uh, building um, prototype vehicles for the OEMs. Um, and then I had my own company doing vehicle design for, for a couple of years. And now uh, back with the Aptera guys when they, uh, when Chris and Steve did the fundraise in 2019, they called me up and uh, it was like the Blues Brothers, you know, we're getting the band back together. <laughs> and uh, Jason Hill, who's a designer, we jumped back on board and we just kind of started where we left. And uh, yeah. Well, but, that's wonderful. Great story. Uh, and and uh, we need more people like you uh, taking, taking this kind of risk. Um, one of the real joys of uh, doing Green Sense Radio Show is that we get uh, uh, cars uh, regularly to test drive, uh, green cars. And so question I have for you is when can we test drive your Aptera? I believe we just had the first journalist drive like last week. So I think if you head down to San Diego, I think you can drive it right now. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to wait your turn, I believe. <laughs> Robert, I think there's a few people in line that want to take one for a drive. Um, but there's will a video come, on YouTube. I'm sorry, will that come to the Chicago market? Oh, I believe all through US, yeah. yeah. Okay, fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to it. And uh, we do our car reviews with Tom Appel of Consumer Guide Automotive. So I'll check with Tom and we'd love to test drive it and uh, give our candid opinion of how it drives. That'd be fantastic, Robert, yeah. Awesome. That's Nathan Armstrong, CTO of Aptera, talking about their EVs that run largely on solar power. I'm Robert Colangelo and this is GreenSense. Reminding you to subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com. And check out the GreenSense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM, WBBM Chicago.